Australia Explained, keeping you on top of all things down under. In this episode of Australia Explained, we break down the budget, the winners, the losers and what it all means. Hello everyone, my name is Tanya Ragusa. And I'm Vanessa De Grazia. And welcome to our bonus episode of Australia <laughs> Explained. We aren't usually going to be doing this, but it's a special occasion. I love that we it's our first week of our podcast and we're just like, oh, don't worry about the structure. Let's just do a random episode. <laughs> we're like, screw it. We've been planning this podcast to a T for months, but let's go off script in the first week. As usual, before we start, we'd like to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we pay our respect to their elders past and present. Now, yes, this isn't part of our usual upload schedule, but I think we're coming off a lot of adrenaline from our first episode that launched a couple days ago on news media ownership. We received a lot of support and beautiful messages and also a lot of feedback to take on board. So I think we're just really inspired to create some content at the moment. Yeah, we really, really appreciate everyone who listened and everyone who messaged us about Mm. it. Yeah, and we also thought to do this because if you follow along with us on our Instagram at Australia Explained Pod, every Friday we post our weekly recap that takes you through the major headlines from the week that has passed. But Arguably, the biggest announcement from this week has been the handing down of the federal budget on Monday night, so we only found it fitting to dedicate this week's recap on an ep that breaks down the budget. Now to get into it, it's safe to say that this budget is pretty important, probably the most important since World War II, having to face the enormous recovery following COVID and the impact that this pandemic has had on the economy. So we knew coming into the budget that there would be a big focus on boosting the economy through tax cuts as well as investing in businesses and education. Yeah, and it's important to note that there there will never be a perfectly balanced budget that will accommodate for the need of every single Australian. Obviously, this isn't ideal, but it's it's the truth. And the budget is more about focusing on what issues need to be prioritised and in this case of 2020, there are a few obvious ones, and how effective how effective the budget is in addressing those issues. So there's always going to be clear winners, clear losers, and those who aren't really affected at all. It's not what we want, and it's not to discredit the importance of other issues that aren't necessarily addressed in the budget, but we have to accept that that's the harsh reality. Yeah, and to add to that, we obviously also can't take you through every single thing in the budget in this episode, but we'll include some links in the show notes for some further resources. But let's get into the big ticket items. All right, let's start with the areas of the budget most of our listeners will be concerned about. What does this budget mean in terms of tax and small business? Before we get into this segment, I wanted to read out a uh, tweet that we shared on our Instagram from journalist Osman Faruqi. Um, If you use Twitter, I really recommend you follow him. He posts really great commentary. And it says, it's kind of nuts that tax cuts are almost universally covered in the media as a cash bonus for people, as opposed to the steady erosion of the revenue base that funds hospitals, schools, etc. 
Yeah, and of course everyone wants a little bit of extra cash in their pockets, but I think that tweet is a really great reminder that tax is not the enemy. It's actually a necessity for a prosperous society, given that tax is fair and the money is well spent. I think it's also important to note uh, the language that is used and considering our last episode on media ownership, if you want to check that out, um, just making sure to understand why certain language has been used and what connotations that brings about. Well said, and let's get into the fun stuff. So there's $13 billion in tax cuts and brace yourself because there is lots of numbers coming. (laughs) So the threshold for the 19% income tax rate has been lifted from $37,000 to now starting at $45,000 and the 32.5% tax rate from $90,000 to $120,000. So in terms of money in your pocket, if you earn between 45 and 90k a year, you'll pocket $1,080 extra at the end of this financial year only. But if you earn more than 90k, you can get back up to 2430 at tax time for the next three years. Yeah, so things may seem pretty even if you look at the tax for this financial year, but beyond that, these tax cuts will severely favour those earning around two to three times the national median income within the next five years. It made me think of Scott Morrison's election slogan in 2019 about the quiet Australians, if our listeners remember that. It was kind of this concept of the Mm. average Joe struggling to make ends meet and being ignored by the government. And this budget makes it seem like that his definition of what constitutes the average Australian is quite different from mine. So although most taxpayers will feel a boost from this budget, those earning over $120,000 a year will definitely reap the most benefits. The justification for this is that if wealthy people have more money, they will create businesses and jobs and spend that money, which will in turn boost the economy. It's a tricky concept called trickle down economics but we'll post an instagram reel and a tiktok explaining this further anyway on to business there's a 26 billion dollar scheme to cover business expenditure so 99 percent of all businesses will be able to deduct the full amount of new capital assets purchased from the night of the budget until the end of next financial year with a portion of those businesses also able to deduct assets they've bought secondhand So much (laughs) jargon that we're having to cut through, but we're going to give you some examples. Yeah, exactly. Um, Capital assets are things that are used to run businesses such as office spaces, cars, computers, uniforms, etc. So by allowing businesses to claim the cost of these things as a tax deduction, they can invest in equipment and grow their operations more easily. And the same 99% of businesses will also be able to offset this year's losses against past year's profits to reduce the amount of tax they have to pay. So for example, if you own a cafe that did pretty well last year and paid $60,000 in tax, but this year you were not able to open because of COVID and you recorded a loss of $20,000, you can claim back part of that $20,000. Which is definitely a great initiative for struggling businesses. All in all, taxpayers and businesses are winners in this budget, albeit high-income earners are disproportionately lucky. Scott Morrison got elected on the slogan of jobs, jobs, jobs. Where does the budget lie with that promise? I, I low-key laughed about this because it's like the holy trinity of job schemes. This is the trifecta. We've had JobKeeper, we've had JobSeeker, and now we have JobMaker. 
So Job Seeker, which is the Centrelink payment for the unemployed, is set to drop at the end of the year. And Job Keeper, the payment given to those employed that have seen their hours drop or disappear due to COVID, is set to end in March 2021. Now, the government's answer is a $4 billion package called JobMaker that gives businesses incentives to hire young people. Basically, if you hire a new worker between the ages of 16 and 29, you'll cop $200 a week to help pay their wage. But this halves to $100 for anyone aged 30 to 35. The employee must have been on Centrelink payments for one of the three months before they were hired to qualify. And the government's hoping this will help employ around 450,000 workers. There's also an additional $17 billion going into infrastructure and road projects and $1.2 billion going to businesses that hire new apprentices and trainees. These businesses that hire apprentices will get a whopping 50% subsidy on their wages. So the government's going Harvey's in an attempt to get another 100,000 young people into work. Look, over 35s are definitely left out here, but apart from that, there's little to criticise about JobMaker. It's supplying businesses with three years of a steady stream of cash to pull young people into jobs. The huge focus on construction, though, um, poses a few questions. Yeah, firstly, the apprentice scheme comes to a halt in September 2021, and there's been questions raised about how secure those jobs can be. There's nothing stopping businesses from hiring a bunch of apprentices, profiting off the cheap wages, and then dumping them next year. Um, The overall hope is that companies would be earning enough money by that point to keep the workers, but that's yet to really be seen. And secondly, the $17 billion into infrastructure is a really great job creator, but some of you may have noticed this budget is very focused on creating more job for trades. It's definitely a strange choice given that the construction industry has been one of the least affected by the pandemic. And some experts are saying that similar investments into aged care, childcare or education would be a jobs boom that would help a sector of society that's struggling a little bit more. These are also sectors that have significantly helped out during the pandemic. And jobs too that predominantly fall within the government sector. But on that point, I wanted to mention how women have been included or should I say mostly forgotten in the budget. Women are the single group most likely to have lost their jobs because of the COVID-19 pandemic and have had their unpaid domestic work hours increase due to things like closed childcare centres and having remote learning. This was explicitly acknowledged by the treasurer, but he then went on to pledge $240 million to getting women back into work and helping reduce gender equality in the workplace. For context, that's the same amount of money they've donated to building a dam in New South Wales. So it's not much and it's very disappointing. It's really important to note how the issue of women ties in closely with childcare and how traditional ideas of family impact women. Um, Free universal childcare has been talked about for a while, especially in a developed country like Australia. Now, childcare costs have been subsidised for low to middle income families in this budget, but having free childcare would have helped out tremendously for women, particularly because women are still seen as domestic carers who stay home and look after the kids, even if they have a full-time job as well. Um, Free childcare removes the barriers that families would face in terms of whether they can afford to send their children to care and would free up women to start looking for employment. Yeah, it's just like an underpinning value that is still very prevalent. 
All in all, it's been made clear the government is hoping for an infrastructure boom and a trade-powered recovery. So if you're looking for a new career or you're a tradie that's been considering starting your own business, now definitely seems like the time. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) It's all good and well to create jobs, but what about education? Yeah, the budget heavily emphasises education for work and creating strong pathways between courses and employers. This is to make sure that Australia is producing workers with the skills that are needed in high demand. So as part of the government's job boost, the budget has allocated around $250 million to create an additional 50,000 short course places in 2021 in areas such as teaching, trade, health, science, technology and agriculture too. This is particularly helpful for those who have lost their jobs due to COVID-19 and are needing to retrain in other areas. So for example, a lot of people within the aviation or tourism industry who have been heavily impacted by border closures may now need to start gaining other qualifications to re-enter the workforce. Universities are also a big talking point. We all know that the major universities in Australia have had to deal with some significant losses. International students have always accounted for a large part of universities' income, which has been deteriorated by travel restrictions. And there was some modelling done by the University of Melbourne that's shown that the sector is set to lose anywhere between 16 to $18 billion in this kind of revenue by 2024. And this is particularly important for those in Victoria because international education is actually our single largest export and has a huge impact on our economy. Yeah, it's massive. What the government proposes to, I guess, offset this is creating an additional 12,000 undergraduate university places in 2021, which encourages more Australian domestic students to apply and basically offers a bit more security in terms of student fee revenue. There's also been another billion dollars injected into higher education research. This is a really important sector because a lot of the research conducted by universities informs manufacturing and development projects in Australia. So many have claimed that this aspect of the economy should absolutely not be overlooked. So we've covered tax, businesses, jobs and education. What else sticks out in this budget? Well, in the spirit of 2020, we can't forget health. There is obviously a large focus on the country's COVID-19 response, and this includes more money for testing and $2.3 billion of funding for treatments and vaccines. However, this is based on the assumption that a COVID-19 vaccine will be made available in Australia by the end of 2021. It's also based on the assumption that there won't be any large outbreaks or COVID lockdowns, such as the one currently seen in Victoria. And that would obviously provide a setback to a lot of the things that the government has proposed. Older Australians will also benefit largely from the budget with two $250 payments for pensioners and an additional $1.6 billion for home care. But an absolutely massive win is that psychology sessions covered by Medicare have now increased from 10 sessions per year to 20 sessions per year, which is a great recognition that mental health, especially during these times, is something that needs to be addressed within our current health system. That was definitely one of my favourite points from the budget. Really, really important. Um, environmental policy has been a tricky one. In Treasurer Josh Frydenberg's budget speech, he managed to bring up the word climate once, clap for him, and (laughs) 
followed by the funding of five gas basins in the next sentence. So prior to the budget being handed down, the government announced its plan for the expansion of the gas industry as a lower emission fossil fuel alternative to coal. But nevertheless, it's still a fossil fuel. Yeah, so we're using fossil fuels to stop fossil fuels in a way. Um, This is based on the premise that gas is somewhat of a transition to lower greenhouse gas emissions, but its large focus in the budget makes some experts wonder how much of that money has been detracted from investing in renewable energy. There's also been a lot of controversy over the government's funding of something called carbon capture and storage, which, as the name suggests, it's all about catching the majority of carbon dioxide emissions before they enter the atmosphere and storing them underground. It is a very costly and very new concept, so the research behind it is questionable. And whether it does much to actually stop greenhouse gas emissions being produced in the first place is highly debated. Seems like a very complex solution compared to just use solar energy. But anyway, (laughs) reminder that this all comes off the back of ScoMo refusing to commit net zero carbon emissions by 2050, which was outlined in the Paris Climate Agreement. Yeah, and I think the main point of discussion here are the actual methods that the government has chosen to focus on and whether these are actually as beneficial as they seem. There are some bits and pieces worth noting, like some reforms to waste and recycling, and a lot of support for marine ecosystems, but it's hard to ignore the big shadow that has been casted on these things by the emphasis on low-emission fossil fuel technologies. And on to something more positive, an interesting one which we both really liked. Um, Employees will no longer have to change super funds when they switch jobs. So the government has proposed a new ATO portal where you can choose your fund once you start working and this follows you for life unless you decide to change. This is an attempt to avoid all the lost super that accumulates with multiple accounts and ensure that Australians have more money for retirement. Also, to protect your super, underperforming funds will also be barred from taking on new members. Yeah, and this is something that we've both personally been affected by and having <laughs> lost super all over the place. So All that we, money just going away. Literally, and you see your statement of your super fund account closing and you just see the numbers slowly dwindling down and you're like, wow. <laughs> so if you haven't consolidated your super, go do that now. Yes, and always add your TFN to your super because it, everything is accessible on the ATO portal and you can just consolidate it on there. There's, of course, a lot more to cover, so be sure to click the links we've included in our show notes. Overall, we'd say this budget addresses short-term needs, but whether it actually translates to long-term reform and success is another story. And this will be something that the government will have to address in next year's budget. There is also some concern regarding the security of what's addressed in the budget and whether there is some sort of backup plan. So we noted this with COVID-19 and the assumption that there will be a vaccine program available by the end of next year, but it's also very relevant for job creation too. A lot of people are asking, what will the government do if the job growth they've predicted and so heavily depend on doesn't eventuate? Yeah, also all this investment into businesses is good and well, but to boost the economy, you can't simply have businesses offering bigger and better services. You need demand to meet those services and this feeds into jobs. People need to have the money to spend on buying a new house or buying themselves a candle or however else people spend their money. And the gamble with this budget is that if the tax cuts and the jobs boost will actually be enough to combat the fact that COVID has absolutely stopped wage growth and left a lot of people in a worse financial position. 
yeah, I think it's an optimistic budget, but whether the measures actually play out in reality is something we'll have to keep our eye on. But we'll pop a questionnaire up on our Instagram at Australia Explained Pod because we'd love to know your thoughts on the budget. And now it's time for our recommendations. Tanya, what do you got for me today? Well, we obviously couldn't cover everything today, but the ABC has a really simple budget page that points out the winners and losers across a whole range of other sectors like regional Australia, tourism and migration. There's also a tax calculator there to help you determine how much money you can expect to pocket over the next five years. And mine is a piece from the quarterly essay about how the idea of trickle-down growth has actually made Aussies poorer. It's like a mini book, so only go to it if you're looking for a decent read. And this bang-on quote sums it up pretty well. It is the shape of our economy that determines our well-being, not the size. Mm. Yeah, something to think about, definitely. But as per usual, links to these recommendations will be in our show notes. And that's it from us today. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of Australia Explained. Let us know what you think. We're definitely interested to hear your thoughts because it has been the biggest announcement from this week. And our next episode drops on Wednesday and it will be all about recession, what that means and how it affects us. We'll also take another look at the budget in terms of the deficit and how it will impact the economy overall. In the meantime, follow us for more short, sweet and simple Aussie content on Instagram and TikTok at Australia Explained Pod. But all this info will be in the show notes for you to check out. See you on Wednesday. Bye. Bye.